0: Hello everyone, welcome to another Baseball America Playoff Podcast, JJ Cooper here, doing a little differently today, we're trying a couple of different formats, we do want to try to give you a playoff podcast every weekday during the uh, the month of October during the playoffs if there is a game, and so I want to talk about the NL wildcard game last night, which lived up to the wild name, as any of you who watched uh, I think would probably agree, and um, solo today so i'm going to do it more kind of as thoughts on the game than it is a conversation obviously i'm not going to talk to myself uh but the the thing that that there are a couple things that stood out to that game to me i mean obviously we'll start with kind of the the turning point of the game and there are about three different things that everyone will dissect about that game if you're a brewers fan i'm i'm sure you probably actually start with the uh the hit by pitch for uh for michael A. taylor who replay seemed to indicate that it hit the bat and the hand but it seemed to be if you were going to make a sequence on that it was bat hand and if you were a nationals fan you would probably call that the hand you know like that it was right together and even even in super super slow-mo it was um hard to to fully differentiate uh to to use a bad nfl analogy uh, at and I think they made this point on the broadcast, and it was a good one, which is it really was a case of whatever they called it was going to be hard to change because it was that close of a play. Obviously, it ended up being huge, but I think the other thing that ended up being huge there, you know, Ryan Zimmerman ends up getting a broken bat single. Josh Hader, it was not his night, um, and and the thing with that that just stood out is. It was a night of fastballs. It was a night of elevated fastballs. In other words, you know, it, I mean, pretty much besides Brett Suter, most everyone else was, here's 97 up in the zone. Let's see if you can hit it. There were several instances where the Brewers were able to hit it uh, and hit it hard. But the problem for Josh Hader, uh, that was just apparent throughout that inning, was he didn't have a slider and as good as Josh Hader's fastball is, really kind of the, the key is, is it's that two-pitch combo, and I, I do have to think that that really helped Juan Soto. You know, he did throw probably one of his better sliders, but it was truly a chase slider to Soto that was, that ended up far out of the zone. Um, but if you're facing, if you're a left-handed batter and you're facing Josh Hader, and not that you fully eliminate, but if you can go up there and you think he's not going to be able to throw his slider, I'm going to be able to focus on his fastball. That does simplify your, uh, your rather difficult assignment very significantly. Obviously, Soto, one of the best young hitters, not just in baseball right now, but really one of the best 20, 19, 20-year-old 20 hitters we've seen in Major League history. The statistics bear that out. I don't care that it's a juice ball error or what. The OBP's that he puts up, the you know the really everything the at bats he puts up, he is truly special. He comes up with the uh, one of the biggest hits in Washington Nationals history, and, and then the other part of that, obviously, that Brewers fans will lament for at least the next uh, six months is Trent Grisham does what? Oh man, uh, you know if you've ever played baseball or. Softball, for that matter, at any level, you should, I would think, if you've ever played in the outfield, you understand what happened there. Because I I know it's happened to me. I'm sure that a lot of you listening has happened to you. But man, it absolutely had to be the most painful thing in the world because there's that moment where you realize I may have just lost the game. And then you still have to go back and retrieve the ball to his credit. He did. And I know Soda got thrown out, but at the same time, I I think that that was as he said after the game, you're trying to make sure that run scores. You want, there's going to be two possibilities. One, they're going to throw home. Two, they're going to cut to try to get you out. And if they do that, that guarantees that the winning run, the go-ahead run, I should say, scores. And that's exactly what happened. And so I, I, that, that, made a lot of, that made a lot of sense in having not seen exactly how far ahead Of Soto, the next base runner was who scored the go-ahead run, but uh, you know what an inning. Um, What was also remarkable about it is is just how you know that's what I love about wild card baseball. This was a game, a do-or-die game that flipped in a moment. It was something that if you were a Nationals fan, you spent two and a half hours in agony, Um, and I mean. Let's give credit to the Brewers. You know that <laughs> Yasmani Gradal right away uh, put them in great shape, and uh, you know Eric Thames uh, the next inning. Uh, you know I think it was the next inning, but boom, you know it's three nothing, and and that feels really uh, you know better than any Brewers it, when when Woodruff and Scherzer left the games. If you would have said to Anyone in the Milwaukee front office, if you'd have said a correct Council, anyone, they would have said, "Absolutely, we're thrilled with this result." And the reality of it is, is that Craig Council said after the game, "You hand the ball to Josh Hader with a two-run lead and two and six outs to go. That's everything went exactly as the Brewers could have hoped or dreamed up to that point, and it did not work out for them." Um, but I, you know, I, I do want to. Mentioned at least a couple of the other things that really did stand out from the game. One of which is Brandon Woodruff. I, it was not a lengthy start. He was not pitching like he was going for a lengthy start. He was pitching to go all out for as far as he could go, and it, it sure seemed like that that was kind of aimed at nine to twelve outs. And I to see a starting pitcher, I, I've said it before on the podcast. I'll probably say it till I die. You know it. Having grown up in an era where this kind of velocity was just not was utterly remarkable, to see essentially a starting not just a starting pitcher but every starting pitcher. Let's just rewind the clock. You go back 30 years ago. You're talking about the uh, the, the Cincinnati Reds bullpen, the Nasty Boys. Rob Dibble threw like that. You know, could get up in the zone. Was a little wilder than you know than these guys, but up in the zone, 98, 99, maybe 100 pretty much every pitcher in almost every pitcher in the game last night did that. And not only that, yes, they did sometimes miss high, but an awful lot of 97 to 99 up in the zone, but in the zone, or at the, you know, at the upper left or upper right corner, the arm side or the glove side corner of the zone, or missing just off of the zone to the point where it it seems like an almost superhuman take. And instead actually like watching Yasmani Grandal in that game it's not superhuman it's something that that good major league hitters are capable of doing now or if they're not like he did and like Trey Turner did if they're not turning around 97 98 99 for a home run which it, it again it, it it blows me away it, it's one of those things where I love getting to watch playoff baseball, partly because if you follow baseball at all levels, playoff baseball, and I saw uh, a Red Sox uh, minor league uh, manager coach, Darren Fenster tweeted this out last night, and I think it was a really good point. If you're interested in baseball at any level, you should be watching the MLB playoffs because it is the chance to see, the chance to learn, the chance to re, enforce just how good you have to be to be one of a playoff caliber player. And the answer to that is, is that if you're a hitter, you better be able to handle consistent, not like one pitch overthrown, but consistent high nineties velocity that is located because we saw that time and time again. Now, the interesting thing is, you know, velocity is part very much part of the game in 2019, but at the same time, In 2019, it it is a situation where the fastball is both... The velocity is very important, but at the same time, there's an emphasis on not throwing as many fastballs. Fastballs are really the pitch that most or many MLB hitters want to see. We saw that a little bit last night. Again, with the damage, a lot of the damage was done on fastballs. But I don't know if it was the, uh, the situation, if it was just bad nights, but we did have... I felt like a number of pitchers, you know, Woodruff was very fastball-reliant, Scherzer less so, but Scherzer was fastball, you know, was was pretty heavy uh, fastball-reliant at times, and Strasburg was not, Suter was not, but then Josh Hader was essentially reduced uh, almost entirely to his fastball, and Daniel Hudson, credit to him getting, you know, a a very important uh, ninth inning, the save, but he was very fastball-reliant. It, I would expect as the playoffs go forward that we're going to see some teams that are much more secondary speed uh, pitch-reliant, you know, breaking balls, change-ups, just because it, 99 is not what it used to be as far as an MLB hitter. They, they have figured out... Well, I wouldn't even say that they figured out how to hit it. The better way I would put it is is that either you hit it or you are not a major leaguer anymore. And that was not the case, you know, even 10 years ago and one of the reasons I think and I really do believe that we have seen the uh older players struggle uh older position players struggle to survive is that there are many things you can do but the reality of it is is that reflexes hand eye you know muscle you know strength even are all things that they deteriorate and it's not like that you can't cheat to hit a fastball, but it is something where it is a young man's game to be able to just react to 98 or 99 up in the zone. Um, but I do think, again, and plenty of credit to Brandon Woodruff you know, for an excellent outing. Steven Strasburg was great as well. Um, but the other thing that just stands out to me is, is if you're the Dodgers, I would imagine, again, they won't say it. I don't blame them. They shouldn't say it. But you're a Dodgers or your Dodgers fan you should be pretty bummed by that result because of those two teams there's I, I think little doubt that in a five-game series you would much rather face this Brewers team I you know the other thing to note from that game last night is how different is it not just if Christian Yelich is hitting in the middle of Milwaukee's lineup but if Christian Yelich is out there in right field in, you know when uh, Soto has that hit I mean That's why Trent Grisham is there, is that Christian Yelich can't play. I mean, it's a banged-up team that did an incredible job just to get to this point. But, you know, the reality of it is, is yes, the the Nationals did use uh, Scherzer and Strasburg, as they should have. You you advance, and then you worry about the next series. But they still have Patrick Corbin ready to go game one. Um, And very well might have Strasburg. Strasburg did not throw that many innings, you know, did not throw that many pitches where... Again, it's the playoffs, he's a veteran, you may treat that as almost a, uh, a very insane, high effort throw day and have him ready to go, maybe not you know, as deep as he would have been able to go on full rest, but it may be able to have him go in game two, have, uh, you know, and by with the days off and all, uh, maybe be looking at Scherzer for game three, you know, and so the reality of it is, is this is exactly what the Nationals spent their money uh, to their credit, to do, which is have a rotation that can match up with anyone, and as great as this Dodgers team is, and I think it's a better team than the Nationals, the reality of it is, is that a Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin uh, rotation matches up pretty well with pretty much anybody, um, and so it should make for a very interesting NLDS series. Uh, you know, kind of the the elegy of the uh, the Brewers, the uh, the the autopsy of the Brewer season. I think that. Once further removed from the immediacy of the pain of last night, I I think that this is a season that if you're a a Milwaukee fan, you look back on and you're going to smile. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to have pride in this season because it's one of those seasons where it's a long season, it looked good, and then understandably when Christian Yelich goes down, it seems like, okay, that's probably it. And then to go from that, an amazing run after that, to earn a playoff spot, and to really have a chance to win the wildcard game, obviously a chance. I, I, were the, in the seventh inning, in the eighth inning, they were the odds on favorite to win the wildcard game. That's a really good season. Um, and the other thing about this Milwaukee team is, is that they, uh, they shouldn't be going anywhere. Um, you know, when you look at the NL Central, the Cubs are, are obviously going to do things uh, in the offseason, but the reality of it is is that the Cubs are getting more and more expensive um, because they, they're they outside of the window of their best position players are young and cheap. They're now in the point where those players are rightfully earning lots of money in arbitration, and their pitching staff is getting older and is very expensive. Whereas you look at, I do feel like that this, uh, this Brewers pitching staff is is actually kind of, you know, we're getting into kind of the prime of the Brandon Woodruffs and, and all of the world. And now the, the real question is, is, you know, they have Christian Yelich is, is one of the best players in baseball, which what a great acquisition they had, spending prospect capital to get one of the best players in baseball. Um, they're gonna to need to spend some money in off season, you know, in free agency as well, but they did that very astutely last year. You know, Yasmani Grandal was a, was a great addition, bringing Mike Moustakis back worked out very well. And so you kind of expect that David Stearns and all the, the front office will, uh, will do a fine job of keeping this team in contention. You know, I mentioned the Cubs, I didn't mention the Cardinals because I do think the Cardinals are also, you know, but we're not putting, the Cubs are done. We'll, we'll talk about the Cardinals in their uh, 2020 and beyond uh, later on, but they've, they've got more important business to do, take care of right now, which is 2019. So That was a uh quick uh hope you let me know you know let us know you can uh you know but leave a review but also if you want to just tweet me at jjcoop36 if you uh if you enjoy or don't enjoy these uh these short monologue ones on days where the reality of it is is kyle uh glazer who usually does these with me did these with me last year is on the west coast so i we want to get these up uh you know especially for when you know days where we have another game Especially when we got coming up, we're going to have days where we have multiple games starting earlier and earlier. We wanted to have kind of the option of doing these, these ways this way as well. So if you like it, let me know. If you don't like it, I'm okay. I'm a, I'm a big boy. I don't mind hearing that also. So, uh, so let us know. But for the Baseball America Playoff Podcast, J.J. Cooper. So long, everybody.